Welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey! And our special guest, Karen of Just Get It Done Quilts. Hello! Now, before we jump into all our quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Karen? Well, um, I'm in Toronto. I am a mother of four children. I am technically retired, uh, and I love to make quilts. Yeah, your YouTube channel is called Just Get It Done Quilts. Are you able to tell us a little bit more about the name of it and and why? Well, after before the YouTube channel, before the YouTube channel, probably about a year before, um, I was really wanting to get into quilting a deeper way, and I think. Like many quilters, you know, you're just enjoying it so much. You know, you want to do it full time. And the next question is, well, I want to open up a, do I want to open up a store? And the Houston market um, in October has a category for new time people. They had um, this avenue for first time people to go in with just a lower level of qualifications. And, but one of them was you had to have a business name. So I had to think up something and I was, you know, kind of mulling around what it was. And then one day I said, just get it done, just get it done quilts. And when I showed it to my cousin who was going with me, she said, oh, this is just perfect. (laughs) This is perfect for you. And it has really, that is the flavor of my YouTube channel as well. So I'm just glad I found it. I didn't have to change it. I didn't have to explain it. It's self-explanatory. It's really encompasses a, a lot of the way I do things. And was, did you always love to make quilts or did you, was this a project that you started in retirement? I came to quilting fairly late in life. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is I had just finished getting my black belt and I had spent so many hours working on it. I thought, you know, I've got hours available to me now, right? And a quilt store was right beside my local Starbucks. And I thought, this is the time. I'm going to sign up for a quilt class right now. And that's how it started. And had you ever quilted before or was this truly a... I had sewn before and I had a cousin that sewed, uh, made quilts and was very jealous from afar because I could see her doing block of the month projects and row by row and all those subscription things. And I thought, oh, I just want to do that. But I never had any time. Um, And I wouldn't say my first quilt class was inspirational. I had, I was really wanting to do more um, irregular, more improv quilts. And my fellow classmates were, we sew on the line, we sew straight stitches, and everything coordinates. Um, So it wasn't the best first experience, but it was enough to get fabric in my my home that continued to talk to me, right? And what was the first project that you worked on in that class? Well, um, it didn't actually turn into anything. I think I... When we downsized our home and moved out, I'm pretty sure I threw out all those fabrics. Um, 
But it was enough to get me going on, you know, irregular, like how do you combine small squares with big squares and trying to um, get a, a way of using color. And when I finished that class, I walked away with the fabrics that eventually became my big quilt from my video, What's in the Blue Bag? Of course, I start off with a king size quilt. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> It's, I'm always amazed by people who start off with like bed-sized quilts as their first quilt. <laughs> well, it's logical, right? I've got a king-size bed. I'm going to make a king-size quilt. And, and I mean, if you stick through it, I guess I, I just, I think I would have given up. I've got to be honest. <laughs> well, it did sit for a long time. It did sit for a long time before I finally finished it. <laughs> but it's, but when I, I was finally making it, I guess I finally finished it about 10 years later. Oh, and wow. just looking at all your beginner mistakes was very hard. You know, the the bad sewing, I was trying to match thread to um, the different colors I was working with, where the edges had frayed so there was basically no seam allowance. You know, nothing was square. And the funny thing about the whole thing was I thought I had designed a new block. And it turned out it was a very, very old traditional block. <laughs> I laugh at it every single time. <laughs> so you mentioned that this, this king size quilt did feature in one of your videos, which is a nice segue into your YouTube channel. So how did this like first, let's say, you know, underwhelming quilting class turn into, you know, your YouTube channel and all your other quilted quilting projects that you have? Well, I was really lucky and I found a local guild that I just loved. Um, I love the people in it. I love the way we gathered and the way that we shared. And of course, we went off to QuiltCon together. And as we formalized our group, we were just a casual get together and then we made an executive. I ended up on the executive and I was just with such a group, good group of women. And one of my tasks as vice president uh, was to do a block challenge. And I have recently, and I'm talking about just recently embraced Instagram. And I had made a small video that had been seen by 200 people. And somehow I convinced myself, like, to me, that meant I could make videos, right? Yeah, I, there was no editing in it, no filters or anything. It was just basically a linear filming. So I volunteered within this executive to make a video about the block challenge. And of course, I didn't just say I would make the block. I said, and I'm going to do three different ways in three different sizes. And I mean, just... Jenny Doan makes it look so incredibly easy. And I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure Angela Walters had already started the Midnight Quilter at that point. So I thought I was just going to get up and this was just going to magically happen. It was going to be so easy. And within five minutes, I knew I was in deep, deep trouble. 
And I honestly believe that if I had not been at the table with these women that I respected and wanted to do good for, we really wanted to have a good executive and a good program for our guild, that I would have just backed away. Like I would have said, this is way too hard. I don't want to do it. But I didn't want to disappoint anyone. So I persevered. And my poor husband... There was no laundry done for three weeks, no food. I was just working day and night. I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know anything. And pulling it all together, um, and that became my very first video. And not even realizing how YouTube worked. Like, you just sort of put it up there, and you hear about viral videos, and, you know, you just let it go. And... I was actually just going to let it go. Like that was that was a really good try. You know, that was fun. People gave me some good feedback. But then YouTube sent me a video saying, congratulations, you have 100 subscribers. And this was about four months later. And that just really re-energized me and thought, oh, maybe I should make another one. So I made another one. And then I made a couple more about going to QuiltCon because I know my first QuiltCon was very overwhelming. Um, and then I really sat myself down and thought, do I really want to do something with this? Because I'm really enjoying making these videos. Now I've got over that big hump at the beginning. Um, am I going to do do it a little bit deeper? And I did. And I, I dug into the structure of a video and how people find you. And it wasn't too long till I got found by Quilting Digest, my when I changed my format of my videos, I started with five beginner mistakes, and then I went to five sewing hacks with masking tape, and that got picked up by Quilting Digest a couple months later, and that was just the beginning. So can you kind of walk us through what goes into producing a video on your channel, like how you start brainstorming a new idea, like what kind of ideas um, spark your interest, and then how you tackle taking that idea and translating it for your audience? So I'm always looking for a problem to solve. And in the beginning, when I was making videos, it was pretty slap happy. You know, I would take a lot of video. I would sit there for maybe an hour trying to get thoughts out. And then I go into the editing room and realize, oh, I left out this and I left out this and I go back and record myself again. And then even then I may have to record myself even a third time. At some point I realized there was not enough hours in a day if I was going to have a regular weekly video to get it done. So I hired an editor and the editor immediately said, well, where's your script? And I'm like, script? Oh, okay. So here's a new thing I've got to learn. And the scripting thing helped me get that all done first. So instead of doing it in the editing room, I'm now doing it before I write the script. And the script can come from anywhere. Sometimes they come fully fledged while I'm working. You know, I know I'm doing something and here are five ways five things or 10 things or just some something together. Like, for instance, my video on uh, the problem with white fabric, I'm working with this on a project and realizing that I'm doing all these different things to compensate for that white fabric and the trickiness of the trouble of working with white fabric. So I just sort of make those points out in my head. I get the footage as I'm making the quilt. And then I come out with a script and I, I have an editor 
help me pull it all together. Um, there's still a lot of work involved in the editing process for me, but I have an editor do that first um, pass for me, which is really hard. But getting things out of my head onto paper is actually the hardest part of making the whole video because I have to picture the whole thing together before I can actually write the script. I need to know the value for the viewer and I need to know how I'm going to help them. <laughs> and sometimes the lesson has been, Karen, you do not need to make an exhaustive list of everything that you need to know. You just need to do the highlights and the ones that you do know. Um, and a big lesson that I've learned is to only be doing things with the project that, that I'm working on. Uh, at one point, I made a video on stripes and I was going into my stash and making all these blocks, but they didn't pertain to anything. And I had this real distance from the result because the blocks were not going into a quilt. They were just samples. I was making random samples. So I always try to make it close to my heart and to provide and solve problems for my viewers. And usually how long is one of your videos on YouTube? I try to make videos that can be consumed in a coffee break. So my, I'm always aiming for between 10 and 15 minutes. It's like a nice little bite size. <laughs> a nice little bite size. <laughs> I do have viewers that say, oh, I wish you would just ramble on a little bit more or take more time to do things. But there's so many people that just don't have time for that. They just want to watch it as they're on their way to work or when they're having their lunch break. Um, and those are the people I'm trying to serve. So you've been producing hundreds of YouTube videos um, on your YouTube channel over the course of five years. So what's one thing that uh, you think would surprise people about running a YouTube channel? How long it actually takes. Like people think that I just sit down and a video is made. I make it this morning, it's live this afternoon, and it takes a week minimum and that doesn't even include all the brain time before thinking up the idea. That's just the sitting down, filming, editing, putting in all the footage together and possibly making a quilt in the background for it as well. So um, people will often complain because there's jump cuts. And I'm like, I'm just not sitting here just going, la, 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 la. <laughs> I'm reading a script and uh, it's, it's challenging. And um, I've made 300 videos now. I got a little notice the other day. I've, I've reached 300 videos and I'm finding that I've got to change things again just a little bit to manage all that effort um, so I can allow more down to more and uh, share that load a bit. And you mentioned that you have someone that's helping you out um, in the background of editing some of the videos as well. Um, so is there anyone else involved uh, as part of the YouTube channel team? I, I had a VA. Um, people might recognize the name Brandy. And she was with me for two and a half years, I think. Um, she lived in another province. Um, and... She was very helpful in those beginning years, getting some of the things like helping me get the newsletter out. I would write it, she would fill it in and 
format it so it could go in on an email. Um, she helped out in the lives, you know, just answering some questions and things like that. She helped me with thumbnails and a couple of other tasks. Um, but she went on to other things this past January, and um, I'm just beginning to work with a new person. Um, so I'm excited to to do that. So within uh, all those different shortcuts that you've um, explored over the years or over the videos, uh, can you share what your favorite time-saving quilting trick is? I would say my timer um, is probably... <laughs> using a 30 minute timer because so many people think they don't have any time to quilt. But once you start using a timer, you realize how much quilting you can get done in 30 minutes and 30 minutes accumulates every day and you eventually have a quilt. And it's more of a mindset because you just need to, your brain to, to focus for 30 minutes and practically everybody can do anything for 30 minutes. So that would be my first one. My second one <laughs> is my masking tape, ha tape hack of putting a ledge of like three or three to five layers of it on the diagonal on your ruler so you can get a really nice HST block. So in addition to your YouTube channel, you're also running Karen's Quilt Crew. Uh, can you tell us about this membership? So some of my viewers wanted more access to me. Um, unfortunately, I get a lot of emails and I can't answer those questions online. Sometimes they turn into videos. Sometimes they can be answered in a Q&A. But I developed this subscription service so people can join in a Zoom meeting once a month and they can ask me those questions. And it has actually been a wonderful group. I am so impressed with these uh, quilters and what they do. And since we see them every month, we can see the progression of their projects and how they're working. Some of them have a lot of skill and experience. So there's the sharing of information and they come from all over the world. So it's, it's always interesting to hear perspectives from different things and just see seeing life from different parts of the world. It's, uh, but it's been wonderful. It's wonderful. So you've got Karen's Quilt Crew going on top of all the work behind the YouTube channel. Uh, are there any other fun projects on the horizon that you could share with our listeners? Uh, yes. Angie Wilson, aka Gnome Angel, and I have been working hard at work on this year's 100 Days 100 Block Pattern called Maple and Eucalyptus. The 100 Days Project starts on July 1st, and everybody can join in. It's open for everyone. Now, Angie is an experienced pattern publisher. I am not. I've done stash busters on my channel, but they've been fairly straightforward. And of course, I've got a visual there. So this is the first time I've ever gone through the process of making sure all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. Um, I'm just putting together the top now and I'm looking at a block and it's not right. <laughs> and I've got to remake it because it's the cover quilt, right? And uh, it's funny, all those little mistakes that you would just normally go, well, this is no problem. I can let this go. You know, blocks being mirrored or um, upside down or something like that. But since they're symmetrical, that's really not a big deal if I was just doing it for myself. But because it's on the cover, I've got to have it perfect. So... 
that's been a challenge. But Angie and I are also going on a trip together um, and we are teaching the course Unleashing Your Sampler Superpowers. She and I are both longtime sampler people. Uh, we love the challenge of the sampler block and we've learned all sorts of tricks and strategies along the way. And through our work together, we realize we have totally different strategies and totally different tips and tricks. So the people who are taking this course are going to have all of this smorgasbord sort of to choose from um, with their own mental superpowers and pick and choose whatever one they want and or modify it to make it work for them. And uh, we're, we're really quite excited. Especially since Angie and I have never met each other in person, we have this has been this has been a Zoom friendship, right? And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And she's based out in Canberra, is that right, Canberra, Australia? She was Canberra uh, late last year. She moved to Townsville, where she's from, just north mm. of um, Brisbane. So for the Maple and Eucalyptus project, is when can uh, people join in on making the quilt? The digital copy is available now. The hard copy will be available by the time we come back from our cruise, which is the, the first week of May. Um, uh, Angie and I on the cruise are teaching the Unleash Your Sampler Superpowers course, which will use the maple and eucalyptus pattern as its base. So we know that you have a annual decluttering challenge that happens in January through your YouTube channel. Can you tell us a little bit more about this project and, you know, what inspired it and what folks could expect if they wanted to join? Well, it actually kind of goes back to my origin story. You know, when I was developing my YouTube channel and my strategy for my YouTube channel, what was I bringing to the table? Like I wasn't a master quilter. But what did what skills did I have? So you already know about my tips and tricks. But the other part that I used to do was I used to manage inventory. So I have all sorts of skills in cleaning up spaces and culling it down to what you actually need. And it wasn't very long into my sewing journey that I realized we all needed in our sewing rooms. Um, it's amazing how quickly the clutter and the projects can add up. And again, bringing in that mental health angle to it. Um, so many of those old projects have a lot of baggage attached to it. And especially my generation, we are caught between this world of having too much, but our parents remember the depression um, and having to save everything. And as I was growing up, that was what you did. You saved everything. You could use it at some time. You repurposed everything. And funny how that's trendy again, but we still have this, <laughs> this cascade of fabric and notions and uh, equipment and tools that keep coming into your sewing space. And the declutter challenge is just helping people say, you know, here's where I am now in quilting. I've evolved. This is what I like to do, and I don't need that anymore. I can let that go. Um, some of it is fantasy. You know, we look at in our cupboard and we see that outfit and thinking, oh, I'll keep that because one day I'm going to lose 50 pounds and I'll, I'll be able to wear that again. Um, and some of those things in our sewing room are that way. One day when I, I do this and that or whatever, I'm going to make that piece, that quilt with 10,000 pieces in it. And 
then you realize, no, that's just not me. That's not the type of quilts I like to make. Um, you might have found that you're a more modern quilter and you just like to use solids. You don't like to use prints, but you're still attracted to prints. You just don't use them. And trying to find that connection between what you like, but what do you actually use? And what is the flow of things through your space? Um, you know, you bring things in, but how are they going out? And we just have a disconnect between our, our purchasing and our actual consumption. So that's what the declutter challenge is all about. And do you have any like um, tips or tricks for people who maybe want to declutter mid-year? Um, the videos are there for the whole year. I don't take them down until November uh, or December 1st when we start the next year. Um, so you can just start with day one. It starts easy. And I just finished a video on some tips because decluttering your sewing room is hard because you're in a different brain space in your sewing room than you are in other spaces in your home. And just having that, that approach. The trick is there's so many questions that decluttering comes up. You know, do I want it? Do I need it? Does it make me feel good? And then you go down this rabbit hole of, uh, oh, that was for this. And I feel guilty about that because I didn't make it. But could I use it for here? And before you know it, you're exhausted and you haven't even done anything. Um, so trying to minimize, like there's a technique to the declutter challenge to minimize those questions, to lessen that, that mental load and to help you get those things through. And sometimes it's like now we've been doing it. We just finished our third year. And if you've been doing it year after year, you realize you get stronger every year. You're, you're mentally stronger to make the harder decisions. You didn't want it last. You couldn't part with it last year. But now you realize, you know what, I'm I can let that go this year. And with those videos that um, the decoloring challenge uh, series, could they be um like as a viewer, could you listen to it um, in the background, almost like a podcast? You could, you could. And during during the actual declutter challenge, you can sign up to receive the newsletter. So you can actually consume the declutter challenge either through the newsletter or through the video. Um, and you can go back and find those right now if you need, if you prefer to do it that way. But you can also do it just as a podcast if you want it. And we will make sure to link to those videos in our show notes. So if anyone wants to join or learn more about next year's 2024 challenge, if they want to join then, they can do so um, via the links. And on that note, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Karen? Okay. <laughs> the challenge yeah. will be to be brief. <laughs> then, yes. <laughs> So, Wendy, why don't you take us away? What is your favorite time of day to quilt? My favorite time of day is the morning in that morning light. Unfortunately, I don't get to do it as much as I want to. And do you wear shoes or slippers while sewing? Yes. Music, Netflix, podcasts, or the sounds of silence? All of them. All of the above. <laughs> what are you currently playing these days? Uh, I am listening to a series um, of audiobooks by Jacqueline Winspear about a private detective after World War One. Is that Maisie Dobbs? Yes. And do you have a favorite snack while quilting or editing a YouTube video? Okay, there's no food allowed in the quilting room. <laughs> but 
editing a YouTube video can be hard. So I often aim for something crunchy. And what's your favorite traditional quilt block? Ooh, churn dash. For first time viewers of your YouTube channel, which three videos would you uh, recommend that they watch first? Uh, 10 sewing hacks from the dollar store. That's always a fun place to start. Uh, start with my first Stash Buster series. Those are uh, videos on how to just use some fat quarters up nice and quickly from your stash. And the third one, I would say five sewing hacks with masking tape. And what's your personal favorite video series you've worked on? Um, I like the Fast and Easy Gift series because not everybody's quilt worthy. What's the most viewed video on your YouTube channel? My first 10 sewing hacks from the dollar store has been seen by well over a million people. What color fabric do you use the most? What I buy the most and what I use the most, unfortunately, are two different things. I buy orange like you cannot believe, but I think I've used the I think I've used blue the most. Uh, solids or print fabrics? Uh, prints. And do you have a favorite fabric designer? I wouldn't say I have a favorite. I do like Kathy Doherty um, from Material Obsessions, but I am an equal opportunity uh, fabric buyer. And do you have a favorite quilt store? Oh, no. That's like choosing your favorite child. <laughs> Luckily in Toronto, we have several good ones, and I have one like 50 meters from my door. Oh, God, that would be so dangerous. <laughs> and what is your go-to scrap project? I have a block. I did a, I did a video on scrappy sampler blocks, and my go-to block is scrap block number five. Um, I call it spot in the middle. And... I just, I'm making them all the time. I just, in the finishing my uh, maple and eucalyptus quilt, I must have made 50 of them. What's your favorite ruler size? I have that two and a half inch by 18 inch ruler. I believe it's an Omnicraft and I just found it so handy. It fits in your hand. I can cut those two and a half inch strips really easy, quick. Can't cut with the fabric strips, but pretty well everything else I can do with it. And what is your pressing preference? Open, dark side, whatever works best. <laughs> I work to the dark side. <laughs> so pick one, recording content, editing, or conducting interview for your YouTube channel. Oh, I enjoy the interviews on Karen's Cold Circle. I really enjoy... One, meeting people and finding their joy in their craft. Really enjoy that. And indulging my curiosity. Do you have a go-to long arm quilter? I am my own long arm quilter. Oh, <gasps> very I nice. I know about that. Yeah, I got one a couple of years ago. I had a backlog of uh, quilts and... I cannot make enough quilts to make this thing uh, work all the time. So I share it with my friends. They come in oh, and that's smart. basically they got to buy me coffee or lunch. But they get to use my lawnmower. <laughs> Machine or hand bind? I do both. Um, normally, if it's for someone or it's a quilt that I put a lot of effort into it, I am hand binding that quilt. Um, but I make a lot of charity quilts and... In some 
uh, instances, I want a little bit more color on the binding. So I want that top stitch to th show through. So I do both. And what is your favorite part of the quilting process? I love cutting fabric. I could cut fabric all day long. What's your least favorite part of the quilting process? Before it was making a quilt sandwich. I really hated doing that. On the long arm, I don't really have that problem. Um, I find the switch between making and piecing the top to quilting the quilt top a really hard switch and can often take weeks or even months before my brain can switch over and find that pattern to quilt. And what is one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? I cut way too close to the selvages. I am trying really hard to cut the selvages off right at the beginning so that they don't end up in my work. And do you have any other interests? <laughs> In addition to your black belt. <laughs> um, my husband and I both motorcycle. He's a much better motorcyclist. He's been doing it all his life. I came to it late in life. But I am really hoping that he and I can get on our motorcycles this year and uh, do some trips. Um, Deb Yu from Bernina, Canada is also a motorcyclist and a quilter. So I think we're going to maybe do a road trip visiting a couple of stores on our motorcycles this year too. Oh my God, that Very sounds cool. like so much fun. You need to have your quilt jacket on while you're riding. <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap today up, we've got just one more question for you. And that is, who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why? I always get the most inspiration from channels that are not quilters. I'm not saying that I don't get inspiration from other Finnish quilts because there's certainly a beautiful feed there. But I find, um, I subscribe to a magazine called Uppercase. And one of the things I do is I go through all the articles because she has their the author's uh, handles attached to the articles and I begin to follow them. And it's those um, like pen and ink channels. There's um, a person who works in paper. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's Matthew Schlupp. No, I'm not even going to attempt it. But he does all sorts of three-dimensional work with paper on canvas. And, you know, the quillers and other channels. There's, uh, what's a textile? There's a one, what is she called? I know you asked me this question I, and I can't figure out one particular channel, but finding that inspiration from other mediums and I'm always saying, can I quilt that? You know, looking at a three-dimensional thing and going, how can I do that in, in quilting? How could I piece the pieces together? How could I get the shadows? How could I get the colors? Would it work? And I think that's those are the channels you should be following. Those ones that have those thought-provoking ideas of, can I quilt this? So on that piece of advice, it's time to wrap today up. And we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadcloth Studio, Wendy. I'm at the.weekendquilter. And Karen. And I'm at Just Get It Done Quilts.
Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.